0: This is crazy. Okay, now Facebook is trying to connect. I mean, Zoom is connecting with Facebook again. So it's going live? Yeah. Oh
1: Lord, okay.
0: What? You're fine. Okay. righty. Here we go we are
1: there. Sweet. All right.
0: Yeah, there you are. All right. All right. So, hey, Facebook family. It's your girl, Alicia Stukes, your DMV real estate rank maker. And we are doing, it's time to talk about it, episode three. And tonight we are going to talk to the loan officer. And I am just honored to be able to have Jason Turner here with me as my guest this evening. Jason uh, agreed to come on and share just all of his wealth of knowledge when it comes to all things mortgages. And I'm just excited that he is joining us today. And, Jason, one of the things that we have in common, besides just being, you know, um, stakeholders and business partners in real estate, is the fact that we're both graduates of UMUC. So I was like, okay. Nice. <laughs> Here's a fellow colleague of mine from UMUC, but I don't want to hold the guests any longer. I want to have them take it, have you take it away and just do a quick intro of, again, who you are, what you do. And um, then we're going to just do a deep dive right in to uh, just talking all things mortgages or all things from the loan officer. Take
1: it away, Jason. All right. Thanks so much for having me, Alicia. Um, so my name is Jason Turner. Like she said, I'm a mortgage broker. I've been in the business since 2012. Um, so I've seen a lot of things happen in the business, especially lately. Uh, there have been a lot of changes that have been going on um, with um, you know COVID-19 and the effects that the Carriers Act have had on the mortgage business. And there's there's a lot that's going on. There's a lot that changes from day to day. Um, so you know there's definitely a lot to talk about today. Um, there's a lot that, has to do with getting a mortgage in general um you know obviously the the house is is the the glitz and the glam part of it but when you get down to the nitty-gritty it's really about securing the loan making sure the finances are straight and making sure that everything is in line to make sure that uh, once you get a contract on a house that everything goes smoothly and we get the settlement so there's a lot to talk about that's for sure
0: Awesome. 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 So uh, one of the things that, you know, I shared with you when we chatted earlier was that I had an aha moment and the aha moment kind of came as a result of having a conversation with a prospective buyer. And she was just really, really frustrated um, just about her processes, you know, as far as where she was, her pre-approval, Um, and so on and so forth. And I know you and I had agreed that this would be a great opportunity to talk about it on the podcast tonight, just the importance of just getting a, the strength of getting a thorough pre-approval. So before we go into that, I want to just have you just talk about the market as far as what's happening, you know, with mortgages, with, you know, the actual lenders that are out here, you know, example, Chase Bank, They had put out, I think, two weeks ago that they had upped the minimum requirements of 20% down and 700 credit score um, as a minimum. And, you know, just, I know a lot of prospective buyers were just saying, wow, is this going to be what we have to look forward to, you know, as far as the real estate market goes. So can I just have you just touch bases on, you know, where the market is, what's happening, you know, what prospective buyers, you know, can pretty much look forward to right now should
1: they jump into the market? Absolutely, yeah, I mean, Chase is more the extreme uh, across the lending industry with their their guidelines now. Um, What what I've seen, the most part, is a lot of tightening on credit restrictions as far as credit scores go. Um, Mm -hmm. Now the new norm is 640, minimum credit score for any government loan, FHA or VA uh got conventional definitely not going to go down that low anymore um so previously you, you would see the 580s the 600 to 620s and that would be fine but now no one is really doing that you know outside of a few extreme cases where people are paying lots of points high interest rates things like that so basically it's kind of eliminating it altogether. um there you know there's some case by case basis where those people can can pay those points and don't mind those rates, but in generally, general speaking, I'm, I'm telling people it's 640 and up is really where you need to be at.
0: Gotcha, awesome. So, uh, if I basically referred a buyer client to you today, um, the um, front end information that I can give them is that your company is requiring just a 640 minimum right now, and yeah. um, okay. And that's good to know because, again, information that was put out a couple of weeks ago, I think, may have caused people to have a little bit of hysteria. I don't want to say hysteria. That might be a little bit extreme. But, you know, just make it, I think it basically caused some prospective buyers to say, "Whoa, wait a minute, I, I, I don't have that 20%. And I definitely don't have that 700 credit score. So, you know, let me pump the brakes. Maybe I need to, you know, hold up and wait this thing out, you know, because, you know, Chase's response as it was reported in the media was as a result of COVID-19. And, you know, uh, one of the conversations I did have with a prospective buyer was maybe I need to wait this out just to see if things are going to get better so that I can improve my odds of actually getting financing for a mortgage. So mm-hmm. to hear that there are actual, you know, lenders out here that are using, you know, doing a, uh, a 640, that's great. Um, Cause prior to COVID, um, you had lenders that were able to do, you know, 620 loan, you know, 620 credit scores. So just mm-hmm. to have that 20 point jump is, you know, not really that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Me, it's six. not
1: It's not that big of a deal right now. Um, we are seeing some debt to income ratio restrictions depending on, on the lender as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, six, I mean, and really asking for a 640 isn't that big of a deal. I mean, I think most people buying house probably should have it anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: it's just, you know, anything, anything beyond that, that was higher risk is, you know, it is temporarily, I would say going to be restricted. I, I think things will loosen up as you know, things get better in our economy. As people get back to work and such, I, I think things will get better. But for now, that is the status quo.
0: Okay, with that 640 uh, uh, credit score, is that for FHA financing?
1: Yeah, FHA and VA.
0: Okay, all right. What if someone was looking to do um, USDA?
1: That's fine too, that's fine too. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay, all right, sounds good. So let, now that we've started talking about some credit scores, um (laughs) let's talk about the pre-approval process and again just the um importance of being very thorough with that can you go over with me um or and with our viewers just how critical that is and again that's just based off of the conversation you and i had earlier today when i was sharing with you about uh one of my um a prospective client or home buyer who was just frustrated with the process. You know, she was approved for an an amount um, and that amount uh, that she was approved for had uh, some caveat, which was her DTI was a little bit on the higher side. And so it basically kind of had her boxed into a very specific price point. But what happened in my opinion was, um, you know, a buyer consultation didn't take place And then also too, on the loan officer side, um, being able to just say, hey, your numbers need to be here and they need to look like this because based off of that price point, it basically really boxed her into looking at only condos. So can we just really talk about just the importance of having a really strong pre-approval process or pre-approval letter from your prospective
1: lender? Yeah, I mean, it's important in a lot of different senses. And the reason I say that is because it's, it's important to evaluate the whole financial picture of the buyer. Mm -hmm. Um, Not, it's not just about credit score, but it is about debts and it's about income and and any, you know, variation thereof. Um, We, and we really don't want any variation (laughs) because we want to know exactly what we're working with so we can move forward based on that financial picture. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And that's why I advise a lot of clients, like don't change anything. Don't, don't buy a car, don't buy furniture, you know, don't, changing thing with your job, you know, right now, some, some people are working reduced hours because of, you know, COVID-19 and working from home and such like that. And that's affecting people. So it's important to have a hundred percent transparency, even if it's, you know, it could be viewed negatively because it's, we're going to find out eventually anyway. Yeah. So, um, you know, I tell a lot of my clients that it's important to do all the paperwork up front and I get all the paperwork up front mm-hmm. and, you know, I try to get, as thorough of of a process as possible but getting back to your scenario there um you know there's a lot that goes into qualifying and, and a lot of that is the actual monthly payment of the house and as the lender like we have an idea of what that payment can be but what happens is when you throw in things like condo fees and hoa fees those are things that the lender doesn't really know about until the buyer goes out and says hey i want to buy this house well, that house can have a different effect on, on the payment, right? So if somebody has uh, a qualifying payment, of, let's say it's $1,500 and, and that's it with no HOA fee, but then they go find a condo with a $300 HOA fee, that, that can throw things out of whack, right? Uh-huh. And, and so it's little things like that that can make the difference. And, and it's, it's super important to, to know all those factors. Um, I'll tell you a quick story on a lady I'm working with right now who, was pre-approved, literally sold her house and was contingent on selling that house to buy a new house. Her other lender dropped the ball, didn't qualify to buy a new house mm-hmm. and had to get a co-signer come to me and I had to figure out all this mess and get her to qualify. Oh. And now I'm dealing with you know contract extensions and and getting this whole loan set up and put back together to even get her to qualify. So it's super important to do the due diligence on everything, if they own properties, um, are they self-employed? You know, what's the employment history like? There's really a lot that goes into it. So um, I don't like, you know, some people are cut and dry. Some people are really easy. They're W-2 employees, they have money in the bank. It's not an issue, but some people aren't. Right? You know, let's just call it what it is. Some people are a little bit you know, more challenging for, for a loan officer to evaluate. And, you know, it's, it's those people who we really need to have the conversations with about, okay, what exactly is the payment that you need to have? And, you know, we need to keep it under that to make sure we qualify and also make sure that we have enough funds to close. Um, you know, some people's 401ks took a hit recently because the market dropped, right? And people yeah. were borrowing from that 401k. Well, guess what? Now they don't have the money that they had before. And now that could cause an issue with buying the house, Right. So there's so many variables that go into, to qualifying for the loan that, you know, we all need to stay abreast of and stay on the same page about, because, you know, you know as the lender, we can't control everything, right? We can only control what, need, what information that we have and work off of that. So, you know, as long as everybody's on the same page, everybody is transparent and, you know, providing all the information that the lender needs, then we should be in good shape, you know? Um, that's all I can really say about it, you know? It's, it's just a matter of, of evaluating all the information regarding documents that we have. And, and quite frankly, that's what it comes down to because we, as, as a loan officer in, in my position, I'm basically, you know, your advocate to get the loan, but I don't get to make the decision the underwriter does. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm gathering documents and putting together the file to evaluate everything to send to the underwriter to make the decision. As long as those documents are, you know, provided in time and, and i can evaluate everything going to be in good shape so like i said there's a lot that goes to it but as long as everybody's on the same page you're going to be fine awesome
0: so let me ask you this question jason and it just popped in my brain um still on credit though so if you have someone it's actually the question is more so credit and dti related so you have someone who uh may not be at that 640 let's just say they're at 620 um and they purchased a automobile six months ago so dti wise may have them a little bit on the high side because they also have maybe student loans and so on and so forth as the loan officer when you sit down with that prospective client what type of guidance would you give them to one, get the additional 20 points, And I mean, you know, I know we're speaking blindly. You're like, okay, Alicia, I don't have a credit report in front of me. So I don't know what I would say. Okay. Um, but just hypothetically speaking, you know, to get them to that last 20 points that they need to get that minimum of the 640. And then just, you know, looking at the DTI, is there anything that's just like a conventional method or methodology that um, a prospective buyer could look to, you know, look at um, from the perspective of the loan officer as far as guidance to get them to where they need to be to be in a position to
1: purchase? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I always look at is available credit. And I'm yeah. talking about credit cards in, in particular. So anytime somebody is above the 30% limit of whatever credit card balance that, that the, you know, credit card company is giving them, mm-hmm. uh, I want to tell them to get that down. I want to tell them to get that down below the 30% limit so they can boost their credit score up because um, available credit is a very good thing. And so if somebody has maxed out credit cards, it's, it's viewed as a bad thing from the creditors' perspective, right? But if they get down below that threshold of, of, let's say 30%, it's gonna boost up their score quickly. So if they have the means to, then it's something that I certainly recommend. Um, number one, you know, they're gonna have less debt, so they're gonna be paying less interest on that debt. But number two, they're gonna see a boost in their credit score, which in turn is going to give them a better interest rate which is gonna save them even more money in the long term. So it's definitely something that's, you know, financially advisable for anybody in that position. Um, you know, it's something I, I always look at when I look at, at, a, at a credit report and, you know, I don't just look at what the payments are and stuff like that. You know, somebody is not being what, what I would consider um, maybe the most responsible with their credit. And it's definitely something that I can urge them to do just to, you know, have long-term health financially. That's my that's my number one go to um, as far as boosting a credit score. You know, uh, outside of that, I usually refer out to um, like I have a really good credit guy who who I send a lot of my clients to who who need that, and I let him kind of deal with that because he's a professional. You know, I'm the I'm the loan guy. He's the he's the credit guy, and I kind of try to stay in my lane in that regard. Outside of like, the credit card stuff and and qualifying. So,
0: okay, sounds good. So, and I most definitely will get his contact information from you if I had to shut sure. up out. Um, so just wanted to pause here just to say, all of you guys that are tuning in, if you have any questions for Jason, mm-hmm. please put them in the comments and I will most definitely address them um, or have uh, Jason actually address them. He will be the yeah. go-to person for the resources. So, Jason, just again, still writing on this credit uh, thing here. Hypothetically, you have someone who is, um, you know, has a substantial income. Let's just say eighty thousand dollars. But as a result of COVID nineteen, they've been impacted, meaning either they're they were unemployed, laid off, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. um, and have they have great credit, no issues with credit. How? From your uh, experience or just your assessment, how will someone who is basically in this position be able to look at possibly purchasing a home next year? Because one of the things that's required when they do their loan application is they need to have bank statements, usually at least two months' worth, two years of tax returns, and then um, at least a month's worth of pay stubs. Well, if the person is impacted, has been impacted by COVID-19 when they actually are um, bringing uh, tax returns to the table just for this year alone. So when they file next year, it's going to basically show um, a reflection of how COVID-19 impacted their income. So, I mean, if you had to put your, your finger on the pulse with that, how do you see that playing out? to, you know, for prospective buyers, who wanna look and purchase in 2020, but they had a loss of income in 20, I mean, excuse me, in 2021 purchasing, but had a loss of income in 2020 as a result of COVID-19.
1: So for somebody who is a salaried employee and they get the same check every time, I don't think anything's gonna change because okay. you know, we're gonna qualify them on that salary. Okay. Um, <laughs> the issue may come with somebody who's self-employed and how that affects their business going forward. You know, what are the effects of, of COVID-19 on their, on their business, you know, transitioning back to opening everything up? We just don't know. Um, I know a lot of lenders out there right now are basically looking at their income right now and taking 25% uh, of a reduction in their income and qualifying based on that. Um, so that for the self-employed, they're going to be affected. But the hourly employee who gets paid by the hour or the salary employee as long as they're back to work and they have you know 30 days of work history to show you know that 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 is the case and you know they're making money again and exactly what they're making salary wise they're going to be fine yeah okay at worst you know we'll have to get a lot of explanation to say that they were out due to COVID-19 and you know that that is what it is I mean a lot of people are going to have that situation unfortunately but it, you know, I think that's probably going to be the extent of it.
0: Okay, and that actually was what I was looking for. Uh, you know, just that type of where you know we may have them actually produce a letter. Um, give you an example. I had a, a plumber come to my house um, yesterday to give me an estimate for uh, a repair to an outside faucet, and you know, one of the things he was saying was, "Hey, you know, um, work hasn't been as plentiful." as it normally would be and it's as a result of COVID-19. And, you know, he basically was just saying, you know, normally he, you know, annually would make anywhere from, you know, you know $70,000 away to $90,000 because he's a master plumber. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a result of COVID-19, he's not seeing, you know, um, the, same, uh, the same level of uh, service and clients that are coming his way so of course that's going to impact you know his annual salary you know somewhat as a result of that so you know we was just having a brief conversation and I said you know that would be a good question to pose to you know one of my loan officers because I don't know how you know the mortgage industry would, would treat that you know seeing that you know he had um, in 2019, he made 90,000. Whereas in 2020, you know it may be reduced by you know let's just say you know 20 to 25,000. You know for the period of time that uh, COVID-19 has been impacting us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, let's kind of switch gears just a little bit. And um, just have you touch bases real briefly on just the loan application process. I know we didn't talk about this when we had our discussion of nuggets, but, you know, I'm just looking at um, the fact that we just talked about the importance of the pre-approval process and just having a strong pre-approval. wanted to just have you just touch real quickly just on the actual um, loan application process for the uh, viewer. So they'll know what to expect. Setting the expectation.
1: I love it. I love setting expectations. <laughs> so, um, I think, mean, I think it's super important because you know, there, I mean, there's a, two main ways people get pre-approved, at least through me. Uh, and that's either they call me on the phone and they have a conversation with me and I, I just literally just jot down all the information on an on application form that I have mm-hmm. and then I put it into the system. And, you know, we just take it from there. I pull, I pull the credit report based on the information that they gave me, evaluate the credit report, give them a cost, okay, based on what I see right here, you can qualify for X amount, right? Whether that's, you know, 300,000 or whatever it is. And then I, we start the documentation collection process <clears throat> where I bet, uh, you know, I, I get the W-2s, I'll get the pay stubs. If I need tax returns, I get those. You know, if they own a house, I got to get the mortgage statement. Is there an HOA fee? Okay, I got to get that. There's, there's a lot of things that go into that process up front. So we know what we're working with moving forward and exactly how much they can qualify for. Um, it can be document intensive. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but it's an important part of the process because, you know, without all the information, quite frankly, we're just guessing, you know, and that's not what we want. We want to work off solid information. So... Um, you know, just as the home buyer, be a, be a, really ready to give out all the information regarding birthday, social security, address, work history. You know, everything that has to do with your financial picture that's going to have to be divulged. Um, so, super important to have all that information ready and ready to go. Um, assets are another big thing. You know, we want to look at bank statements. Where are you getting your money from? If it doesn't come from your bank, where is it coming from? Okay. If it, is it a gift fund from mom or dad or aunt or uncle or whatever the case may be, whatever that source is, we need to document that source too. So we need to have that conversation with them. Okay, we need their their bank statement, right? And you know, sometimes that's not an easy conversation to have, but it's what has to happen. Um, some people borrowing from a 401k, a thrift savings account after the government, stuff like that. So we need to get those documentations, you know, all, all in the file, right? So Anyway, um, that's it in a nutshell, you know, to to start the application process. And uh, once we have that, it's it's really smooth sailing from there. Um, That's when you start looking for the house. That's when we give you the pre-approval letter. That's when, you know, we start the home shopping process. And uh, one of the things that I really enjoy doing and think everybody should do is like, once you find a house, let me know so I can run the numbers for you. Make sure the payment's going to be what the buyer expects and make sure that I know it's going to be in line with what the pre-approval is, because, you know, we don't want any surprises on, on either end, and we all want to make sure that everybody's on the same page regarding expectations, like you said. So, um, you know, from there, uh, it's a matter of just getting that contract ratified, negotiating, and you doing your magic on on, on that end. So, um, the pre-approval, it's, it's super important, man. It's super important. Some people just, you know, try to breeze through it and act like it's nothing, but you know it, it can be a lot and, it, and it's super important
0: okay great thank you for just uh throwing that out there so now that we've talked about the uh mortgage loan application and the importance of the docs the docs that are required for the mortgage application can we talk about what the current rates look like. I mean, just, you know, just give us a little snapshot of what they look like uh, for a new prospective buyer. Um, And I know, of course, you know, the actual rate that a buyer gets is totally based off of their ability to qualify for a loan, you know, all those variables. But can you just throw out there what they look like just as a baseline for the folks that are, you know, online right now so they can just get like a little sneak peek
1: now, you know, the general range is going to be in, in the mid threes to upper fours, depending on, on the criteria, right? Everybody's going to be different. Um, and, you know, there's all different kinds of factors that go into it. But I mean, that's, that's about what people can expect, depending on credit score, down payment, are they buying points, stuff like that. There's a lot that goes into it.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: um, that's generally where the market is right now. Still very good. Not, not where we were, you know, back in February where things were like really 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 low um mm. but still really good in my opinion you know to 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 borrow hundreds of thousands of dollars at, at a rate that that low i mean people are getting a pretty good deal the way i see it
0: yeah awesome what about for refinances someone just sent me a text message asking about refis <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> there's a lot of that going on yeah there really is i mean it you know, regarding refinances, it depends on where they're at right now and if it makes sense, you know, to do it. Um, You know, if somebody's saving, you know, half point or more, then yeah, you know, I I would consider it. The thing is you have to consider the cost to, to recoup. And what that means is, you know, you gotta think about closing costs and escrows and all of that and the difference in the monthly payment. So if somebody is saving a substantial amount, And the cost to recoup is relatively soon. Let's say it's a year, maybe two years max. um, Then, yeah, absolutely do it. Uh, You know, and how long are they going to stay in the house? There's a lot lot of factors that go into play play there as far as, you know, the cost to to recoup any kind of uh, incurred, you know, fees or uh, increase in loan term. A lot of people roll the closing costs into the loan, which is fine. You know, it just depends, excuse me, depends on what their goals are you know, and and rates are really low. So, I mean, trust me, I've been doing a lot of refinances for people lately. And, you know, I don't tell everybody yes, quite frankly, I don't. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some people, you know, are only saving a little bit and their credit scores aren't the greatest. And the way that I see the market now, I'm like, eh, let's just wait. Let's wait till June, July. You know, let's see what the market does then. Let's people get back to work, maybe rates improve, which I think they will. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's see where they're at. I mean, you know, I probably told five people know this month that I could have refinanced, but I didn't want to because I didn't think it was the best thing for them. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it depends on everybody's individual situation. Um, some people are a no brainer, you know, they're saving a point of interest. And God, I mean, I did one um, about a month ago. This lady was literally saving like a thousand dollars a month. A thousand dollars a month. Like, a month. like wow. she was in um, a really high interest rate loan. It was like seven and a half percent. And I took her down into like the mid threes. So tremendous amount of savings for, for that lady in, in not only on a monthly basis, but long-term interest. She's, she's killing it right now. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Awesome. All right. So I just got another question. This one is, um, the prospective buyer is interested in new construction. And so the question is, um, do you know, mortgage lenders, um, offer better, I guess, rates or, yeah, I think this is better rates um, compared to the lender that the builder uses?
1: <laughs> That's a sensitive subject. <laughs> Do we offer better rates? You know, every lender is different. I'm going to say that. Every lender is different. Um, and the, the builder thing is a touchy subject because... Mm-hmm. Some lenders are owned by the builder and most people don't know that. And so they, you know, they're going to make money somehow, some way. So is that, is that an elevated sales price to give you more money towards your closing cost concessions or, you know, are they making that up somewhere else? Um, You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough one to answer, honestly. Um, I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm not saying they're all good. It just depends on the situation. Like I said, it's really tough for me to answer that one. I don't know.
0: Understood. So, and before we wrap up, I'm going to make sure that you're able to give out all of your contact information so that if anyone has any questions, they can direct them directly to you.
1: Yeah, sure. My my phone number is 410-474-7153. My email is Jason at my dmvmortgage.com, like DC, Maryland, Virginia mortgage.com, and um, you know, feel free to give me a call or shoot me an email anytime. I'm really happy to help anybody out, um, especially if you want to get pre-approved, refinance, pretty much do it all, do every kind of loan type out there that's available right now, and um, you know it can help anybody uh, in DC or Maryland at the moment. So happy to help.
0: Okay, sounds good. So one of the things that you and I talked about or that I share with you that I wanted to just do like a quick snippet of before we had uh, um, closed out the podcast was just to talk about some of the things that were identified with the recent CARES Act that was actually um, Delivered from the federal government. And the reason why I wanted to just have you kind of like touch on it just a little bit was because, uh, you know, a lot of consumers were actually uh, getting confused, needing more information in regards to, um, you know, their options, whether, you know, forbearance, um, you know, how that worked, you know, just the term itself. Um, And then, you know, some of the language in the CARES Act with the month, uh, uh, moratorium to suspend and stop mortgage foreclosures. So, you know, so on and so forth. So a lot of consumers just wanted to just kind of like get a C-spot run assessment of, you know, exactly, you know, how the CARES Act applies and, you know, just, you know, again, a recap or C-spot run definition of forbearance and, you know, how it applies and just, you know, just giving them just some, just, um, uh, you know, just some brief info, just to you know, help them digest that. So, can you just touch on that just a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure. So, the forbearance is basically delaying the mortgages three months, uh, according to the most most of the information that I see, anyway. Uh-huh. So, essentially, people are taking three months off, and there's two ways that they're going to have to repay it. They're going to have to pay four months when that you know that period is up. It doesn't really help anybody, in my opinion, because uh-huh. if you're not working how are you going to have more mortgage payments, right? Wow. So it doesn't really help anybody. And then the other option is a lot of people are going to um, probably what's going to be, end up doing a mortgage, sorry, I can't talk, mortgage modification. And they're going to just be back ending a lot of that um, mortgage that they would have been paying for those three months. So those are the two main options that I've seen. Um, if, so, if you can avoid it, then you should, in my opinion, because it's going to save you more money in the long run. Uh, okay. It's also going to avoid any issues with with qualifying in the future. Um, a lot has changed. I mean, just recently, this is recently this week regarding this. Mm-hmm. Um, two weeks ago, it, everything that I was hearing was if somebody had done an it, they had to bring the mortgage to current status regarding those payments that were deferred and then wait 12 months after that to be able to purchase or refinance a mortgage. Wow. Yeah. Now, that being said, just, just this week, there are two lenders that, that I work with um, who will do and who will do a loan for people, even if they did a it, as long as they are back to work and paying their mortgage you know, on time and everything is moving forward on an on-time basis. So it's very lender by lender. And there's not any guidance from like Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac or anything regarding the actual qualification on how they're going to view it. So a lot of lenders are placing their own individual overlays and also, you know, their own rules basically on, on the whole forbearance issue. But like I said, there's two lenders that I'm working with right now that I can, you know, basically put my, my clients into and, and get their loans done from, from what I've heard just this week. So um, a lot is changing and we don't know what's gonna happen going forward. But right now, as long as they're back to work, they're paying their mortgage on time, that can get done.
0: Okay, sounds good. So, I just got another question posed to me, which is for you, Jason, and sure. the question is, is it a wise uh decision, or is it a good decision, excuse me, to shop
1: um, mortgages? Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean it's a good decision to shop mortgages, but you got to be careful about who you go with um, because sometimes the lowest rate isn't always the best lender and and um, there's a lot of ways to get a lower rate. You know, there's like, you can go online to, to any, any website, you can go to Zillow or Bankrate or whoever you can, but you have to be working with a trustworthy lender. Who's going to get you to closing. Who's going to be responsive. Who's going to communicate. Who's going to work well and close on time. Can they close in 30 days or can, you know, is it going to take longer? Are they going to have a delay? Um, while I do encourage shopping, you have to make sure you shop with somebody who you can rely on, you know, um myself like i'm a broker right so i I work with a a lot of different lenders who i know who are reputable and who i trust to put my clients with so you know if somebody needs the lowest rate i know where to go if somebody has a particular circumstance i know where to put that like i said with the forbearance issue i got two lenders who i know can do that so i know where to go so you know do i encourage shopping yeah i mean i want everybody to get the best rate but you know, part of being a broker is shopping at a rate for the client to make sure that they get the best deal. You know, um, it's not always about the lowest rate because, you know, there there are hidden fees. You know, and sometimes somebody will put a rate online like, oh, it's two and a half percent. Well, they're paying three points. Well, oh, it's three points of three hundred thousand. That's nine grand, right? So it's a lot of money. Um, so you know, you got you got to weigh the the total cost of the loan, basically. You know, you don't you don't want to get Hammered with fees just to get a low rate, if you're not going to see the return on that investment, you know you have to take everything into account. Sometimes, you know, having maybe maybe you're paying like a quarter point or you know half a point, and it makes sense because your monthly payment difference is fifty bucks less a month. That makes sense, right? But paying thousands of dollars in points, in my opinion, it's not worth it. You know, it's it, well, to me, it, it's it's not a long-term best play from a financial perspective. You know I, I i don't advise paying thousands of dollars in points because you know you could try maybe you gotta sell the house in two or three years maybe it's five years you don't know like you know so from my perspective take take the win if you will you don't need to go for the grand slam maybe maybe just you know take that take the take the base hit get get a good you know get a good deal if you will and then just move on that's what I do anyway I mean when like when I qualify clients you know I th- I show them the options you know But most of the time I advise them not to pay all of those points just to get the lowest rate, because even though it's on paper, you know, it's, it looks good. You can tell your friends, you get the lowest rate, but from a financial perspective, most of the time it's not the best deal.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Let me look. I thought I saw another question pop up here. Did I, uh, no, I think you answered this one already. Um, oh wait no someone asked are you only licensed in maryland
1: no i'm doing virginia as well
0: right now uh, okay so maryland and virginia yeah okay got it uh i'm
1: see. more well, company is working on dc right now mm-hmm. so hopefully that'll come soon
0: okay gotcha all right i think we covered all the questions that popped up so far so it's 5:42. um let me just have you again just give out your contact information um, so that people know exactly how to reach you and any closing, you know, nuggets that you want to share with the viewers, most definitely just, you know, let it roll right here.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean, most important thing about buying a house is is the pre-approval process. And I'm not saying that because I'm the lender. I'm saying that because I think it's the truth. Um, just Work with the lender that you like, that you're gonna have a good rapport with, and then get all your documentation together. You know, Get those W-2s, keep them handy. Make sure you can access your pay stubs. Uh, some people can, they really don't know how. Make sure that you can do that. Um, know your finances inside and out. Don't establish new credit if you can avoid it. And if you have to buy a car, if you don't have a car, fine, we get it, things happen. But if you don't have to do things to um, change your financial snapshot that the lender takes the pre-approval process then you know try not to basically um and you know that's about it i mean i still think it's a great time to buy i really do i mean you know let's say housing appreciation is flat this year because of everything that's going on it's still going to appreciate the next year and the next year and the next year because there's a limited amount of houses and there's more and more people so values are still going to keep going up i mean at least that's the way i see it and all the um Experts that I listen to on a daily basis, they all say the same thing. So it's still a great time to buy, you know, no, no matter what. And, you know, I, we're not going to see housing bubble 2008 2.0. We're just not, you know, because <laughs> quite frankly, you know, Congress has done everything in their power to eliminate foreclosures. And they literally passed an act to eliminate foreclosures until people are, you know, back to work. And, and so it's not going to be the same deal. Um, so it's still a great time to buy. It's still a great time to refinance if you want to do that too. If you, if you bought, like, you know, in the, pre, in the past two years, you know, a rate over 4%, you should definitely talk to a lender about refinancing and saving some money. It's a great time to do it.
0: Absolutely. So yeah. let's wrap it up. Go ahead on and tell everyone how they can reach you um, by you know email telephone your website give all of your contact information
1: yeah sure my email is uh, jason at my my phone number is 410-474-7153 um, follow me on Facebook I'm very really active on there I'm on Instagram as well um, definitely give me a follow and I try to post content on there periodically and to, to help educate the consumers and um yeah, I mean, that, send me a DM on there. I mean, whatever way you want to contact me is fine me. Awesome. I'm
0: going to most definitely encourage everyone to, you know, reach out to you. Most definitely connect with you on, on social media. I love the videos that you do. Thanks. Um, They're just great.
1: Thank you.
0: And very informative. So guys, most definitely reach out to Jason on Facebook. You're on IG as well?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Facebook and IG. I need to connect with you on IG. We're connected on Facebook. And so to find him on Facebook, you'll find him. He is Jason Ryan Turner. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, connect with him on social media. If you have any questions, you can reach out to him, DM him DM him on Facebook and or give him a call. Jason, go ahead and roll that number again. Yeah, sure. 410-474-7153. OK, great. So, guys, again, thank you for tuning in today for It's Time to Talk About It. And again, I want to thank my guest, Mr. Jason Turner. Jason, you were awesome. Thank you just you gave a lot of valuable information. I know there's going to be some follow up questions um, from this probably, uh, you know, prospective clients reaching out to you just to either get pre-approved, pre-qualified or just ask some questions to get prepped for that process. So again, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: You're welcome. Happy to help.
0: All right. Thanks a lot. All right, guys, we are ending episode three for It's Time to Talk About It. I'm your host, Alicia Stoops, and I will see you next week.